Well, I am really encouraged to see a pretty full house here this morning. I can't tell you what a pastor's dream it is to uh, get to speak on daylight savings time morning, you know, where we've all been robbed of an hour of sleep and it's raining and half the city was in Michigan City last night celebrating the Warsaw Tigers championship. Come on. That was amazing. Regional champions. Incredible. So yeah, I was pretty convinced that we could have, you know, 14 inches of snow and have more people show up this morning than are here. So thank you so much. Uh, Really excited and appreciate you being here this morning. And I'm just saying, any politician that steps up on a stage and eradicates stealing an hour of our sleep away, I'd consider voting for them. So could be a, a big policy thing that maybe some people should consider. I don't know. Well, this morning... I have the privilege of continuing uh, our series, The Truth About. Last week, we took a bit of a break, a breather, just to sort of pick our heads up and and spend some time worshiping and and praying. And I'm so grateful for that time and the the folks that led us through that. It was such a beautiful moment for us and the ways that you all participated in that. Well, today we're going to dive back into this series. And then next Sunday, Kondo will be back and he will be closing out this series for us. And you're not going to want to miss what he has to say for our closing of this series. And then, uh, as I mentioned, in two weeks, it's Easter Sunday, or as we like to say, Resurrection Day, where we celebrate our risen Savior. And we're getting so excited about that moment. It's a really big deal for us in our faith that our Savior walked out of the tomb. And so we are going to spend a morning celebrating that and would love for you to be inviting folks to come out for that. It's a time of year that people are more open to coming to church than others. So uh, don't miss out on a great opportunity. Well, throughout this series, the truth about our desire has been to walk through some of the cultural storm that we are currently experiencing. And as we have discussed a number of times in Ephesians chapter 4, Uh, Verse 14, there's this hope that we would no longer be like infants who are being tossed about by the waves, tossed back and forth by the waves, or blown by the winds of deceitful and cunning people, but that we could stand firm in our faith, that we could know how to approach really sensitive and touchy issues, that we could dive into things like politics and guns and refugees and race and things like that, and we could approach them in a way that reflects a biblical response. And throughout this series, we've taken a number of vantage points and angles, and we've flown up to the 30,000-foot overview uh, view, looking down and, and sort of setting a foundation for the series and some principles and some things for us to stand on. And there have been moments where we've swooped down and we've picked up a magnifying glass and we've looked right down into some really specific issues and topics. So this morning, we're going to swoop back up for a bit of an overview moment. And then next Sunday, Kondo, as he comes back to close us out, we will swoop back down with the magnifying glass and get really specific one more time. So I hope you don't struggle with motion sickness or vertigo as we continue the rise and fall of this series. But uh, again, just so looking forward to continuing through it. Months ago, as we started to dream and pray through this, we were inspired by some of the conversations we were witnessing on on the national and on the global stage. And more specifically, conversations that we were beginning to see and hear locally, here, with, with us, with some of our people. 
ways in which we were engaging some of these very topics and conversations. And to be completely honest, we weren't as much inspired as we were concerned. Concerned by a great deficit and lack of what I would think is healthy conversation. Our son, Jeremiah, our our seven-year-old son, uh, he is our boy that uh, he just wakes himself up every morning. Uh, He gets up, he gets going. Uh, It's been so critical for us to teach him how to tell time and look at a clock and all those things because he would just, you know, come out of his bedroom, whatever, five o'clock, 5.30, whatever, 6 a.m. and just show up and he'd be right by the bedside and he would just put his arm on me and just start to shake me. And I'd open my eyes and he'd be standing there, big eyes, big smiles, like wide awake. And I think he picked this up, this, this idea, some of this language from Erica and I through conversations that he's overheard. But he'd look at me with his big eyes, big grin, and he'd go, Dad, you want to wake up and have coffee and deep talks? <laughs> Serious, like he did this yesterday. And uh, all the time, all the time. And it's so, so sweet. And Love him to death. And so there was, there, there was, you know, the first time he did this probably a couple months ago, you know, I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And I was all in and, and it was so fun. And we went and sat in the living room and I've got my coffee and he just sat there and he just asked me questions. It was incredible. Like, you know, dad, what was life like when you were a kid? Like what? Like, who are you? You're seven. Go back to bed. Um, and eventually I finally got to that where I'm like, just, we'll talk in a little bit. Just go back to bed. Um, but no, it meant, it meant so much. And it was, it was such a beautiful thing to see him, to see this, this raw ability and desire to just talk and just have conversation. And to me, to be completely honest, it's been so convicting to look at in my own life and to look around my life and just realize how terrible we are becoming at conversation. I believe conversation is one of the great and beautiful gifts that we are given as humans. To be able to connect, to be able to relate, and yet culturally our skills, our abilities, our sensitivities in this area have significantly eroded. What happened just a couple of days in Chicago was an absolute travesty in regards to the First Amendment and our Constitution and our ability to have civil conversation and debates. And that's not meant to be any sort of pro-Trump moment. But the truth is, he should be able to get up and speak and his uh, detractors and opponents should be able to get up and speak their mind, and there should be this healthy ability to have conversation and debate, debate and agree and disagree, and to be at the point where now we can't even do that without threat of violence is a travesty. And it's easy for us to point fingers and name names and blame the media and politicians and on and on and on, but we should be so, so deeply concerned about the increasing difficulty there is to have conversation over tense issues without there being the threat of violence. It's just not okay. Conversation is one of the most powerful, powerful tools for progress and for change. 
It can open the doors to new ideas and to innovation. It's the gift that we have to communicate love and hope to the world. And the moment that conversation is taken hostage and dialogue becomes rant and discussion becomes more about winning than sharing, we are in deep trouble. And we know this. We all know this. Because we have been part of conversations that have gone terribly south. We know the power of conversation when anger begins to take over. We've all probably been on the receiving end or have said a few things we've deeply regretted when the conversation and listening ended and frustration and anger took over. But everything happens at the table of conversation. As we consider what positions we should take in some of these issues that we've been discussing for the last number of weeks, conversation is a huge part of that. As we talk about inviting everyone everywhere to life in Christ, conversation is a huge part of that. It matters, and I believe God really cares about the ways in which we process and we work through things. So today we're going to visit a variety of scriptures, and they'll be up on the screen, and I'll be bouncing around a bit. Uh, There's actually some Bibles. The guys will be coming down the aisle. If you would like to hold a Bible in your hand and read through with us, just raise your hand, and they'll hand you a copy of the scriptures, yours to keep if you don't have one at home. And we're going to start off in uh, the book of James, Uh, the book of James. So if you, you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open to James. It's towards the end of... The scriptures. And my hope this morning is that we can get just really, really practical. And again, sort of raise up to this 30,000 foot overview over this series and over these topics and talk through and process through some really, really practical and what I believe to be helpful steps, things that we can apply even today. That can help us to navigate through some difficult conversations. But not only help you to navigate through difficult conversations, but to become a part of building up the kingdom of God. Sound good? All right, let's get to it. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I'm going to read that again. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires desires. Now this is such a simple, straightforward scripture, right? And if you've been around the church for any length of time, you've certainly heard this before. Maybe it's been taught to you before. Maybe it's a verse you have memorized and thought through before. It's such a simple, simple scripture. And yet we know this, this is such a hard scripture for us to live out. I mean, how many of us are just naturally quick to listen. Half the room was like, oh, is he talking to me? What, what was that he said? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> Think about that. 
Listening is one of those acquired skills and disciplines. Something that we have to work at. Think about that friend that is just a great listener. Don't you love being with them? Don't those friends rise to the top of the list of friends? Because there's this certain sense of safety and comfort with them. Those who listen, who are quick to listen, can hold such power and influence in conversation. Professor and biographer Janet Dunn once stated, Good listening often diffuses the emotions that are part of the problem being discussed. Sometimes releasing these emotions is all that is needed to solve the problem. And we've all been there, right? We've all been in those moments. Those moments where we just needed to pour something out. We didn't really need an answer. We didn't need anyone to fix anything. Or you sat across from a friend where that was the situation. They didn't need you to solve anything. They just needed to talk and they needed someone to listen. And in listening well, it opened up a process to begin healing to begin something constructive, to begin a conversation that could actually go somewhere. Do you want to make an impact? Do you you want to be a part of bringing change, especially in the midst of some really tense things? You should always start with listening. Always start with listening. Be quick to listen. Make it less about what you are trying to get across and more about understanding what people are saying. There's a verse in Proverbs that speaks to this. Proverbs 18, verse 13. To answer before listening. That is folly and shame. It's foolish. It's foolish. And yet I do that all the time. We do that all the time. We find ourselves in conversation and you hear something that's like a tripwire for you. And you feel like, oh, I have something to say to this. I need to say something to this. Oh, they can't say that. I need to interject here. Oh, I have the answer to that. Oh, I can help fix that. And you just feel like you're going to explode if you don't get the thought out. Yet scripture says it's foolish. Slow down. Slow down. Listen. Be quick to listen. I was talking to Erica earlier this week and asking her, what are things that I do in conversation that that can just drive her nuts in this regard? And she said, you know, sometimes, and she was super clear that this was sometimes, like kind of rare, like doesn't happen much. So anyway, just setting that up. But sometimes (laughs) while I, she's talking, She said that I can get a certain look on my face and start my body language can start to communicate that I have already decided. That I have already jumped to the next thing. I already have a conclusion. And the things that she's saying, it's as if they don't even matter anymore. And we do that. We get in conversation and we're so quick to think we're so quick to respond and to react we stop listening and i believe when we stop listening we begin to lose influence 
And it's good to be a decisive person and have good things to say, but I think it can also be so destructive in conversation. Give conversations room to breathe. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor in the 30s and 40s, once said, He who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer be listening to God either. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and for his own follies. Proverbs 18, 2, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. When we don't have time to listen, when we don't have time to pause, when we don't have time to just slow down, we're becoming like fools. And the fool that finds no pleasure in understanding, but delight in their own opinions... Well, that leads to my next point. Always follow with clarifying questions. Always follow with clarifying questions. Before you react or you respond to anything, make sure that you ask questions to understand. A huge part of being a good listener is becoming a great question asker. And it's not just the yes or no questions. It's these open-ended questions that help to begin to dig and get down to the roots of thoughts and feelings and emotions and history and context. So, so why, why, do you, why do you feel that way? You, you seem really, really passionate about this. Where does that come from? Where did you first learn about these issues? Have you ever thought differently about this? What was it that changed your mind? What was it that changed your position? And see, it's so easy for us to be in tense conversations and to, to, to jump to our point, to jump to our thought, to jump to the article that we have to share in response. But see, the truth is, when we begin to ask questions, it opens up our humanness with each other. It opens up relationship. It opens up background and backstory and history and context in a way where suddenly it's like, oh, wow. That's fascinating. I, I can absolutely see where you would think that. Part of video production and interview-based videos is the ability to ask really good questions. And I love watching great interviewers and the skill that they have and the ways that they draw out their interviewees. And I'll never forget being on a uh, video shoot with one of my college professors and a man who had a huge impact in my life, Dr. Michael Orr. We were together on a uh, Native American reservation in Arizona, uh, filming a video with uh, some Native Americans who were really pretty shy, very quiet people. And when you bring in the lights and the cameras in the midst of an already sort of tense situation with introverted people who aren't very excited about being on camera to start with, 
I mean, it is like you've pulled all the air out of the room and it's just tense and awkward and hard. And you put a microphone on and you just see people freeze up. And I'll never forget watching Dr. Orr as he just so skillfully began to ask questions. And I'd never seen this before. His style and the way that he did this, and it so marked me in the way that I began to carry out and do this in some of my work. But he sat there with no notepad. He had no questions written out. He had nothing to jump to. It wasn't like he asked a question and looked down while they answered and was reading and preparing for his next thing. He looked straight forward. And he used his eyes to connect with their eyes. And he used his smile to warm up the room. And he nodded along in validation and empathy and understanding. And I watched within a couple minutes how the lights and the cameras faded into the background. And one of the most powerful, beautiful conversations I'd ever seen just took place. And he made them feel the thing that they had to say. It was as if it was the most important thing that was being said in that moment. And you know what that feels like. You know when you've been in those moments and in those kinds of conversations and with those kinds of people who have just helped you by the way that they listened and the way that they asked really good questions. When you ask good clarifying questions, you open the door to learning and understanding. Always start with listening. Always follow with clarifying questions. Always assume that you could be wrong. Always assume that you could be wrong. This is a hard one for some of us, but humility realizes its fallibility and therefore its propensity to be incorrect. And as someone who can be a really opinionated person, I get it wrong all the time. I was recently in a discussion with one of my teammates here. And I communicated some things a couple days prior to this discussion. And the way I went about doing that had hurt them. And they shared with me a couple days later their frustration. And it was a hard pill for me to swallow as they recounted how they had received our original conversation. I saw how I had mishandled it and how my position had hurt them. And I had to apologize and ask for forgiveness. And thankfully it opened a door to forgiveness and to healing. And it's so important for us to quickly move to a position that assumes we could be wrong. Unless the Bible clearly says it. Unless we have absolute black and white evidence of truth. We should hold convictions as if they could be incorrect. If you've been around here for a while, actually about a year ago, Kondo led us through a series called The End, and it was uh, speaking about end times theology. And it was a great series and so compelling. And throughout that series, he placed three flags up here on stage. There was a a green flag and a red flag and a yellow flag. And the green flag was for, hey, this is truth. This thing that I am sharing with you right now, it is clearly in the scripture. We know this to be true. Green flag, green light, go. It's a yes. And then he'd pick up the red flag. This is actually not in scripture. This has no biblical context. This doesn't work. This is a no. 
And then many times throughout the series, he'd pick up this yellow flag and he would say, well, in this, this is my opinion. This is my thought. Based on my study, based on my prayer, based on the things I'm looking at, I think this yellow flag. I I don't have enough to say that it's green or red, but I'm just going to hold up the yellow and I just want to share with you my heart and my passion and what I think. But I want you to know, caution, yellow flag. And I think that's so key for us to have that kind of humility in our thoughts, in our opinions. And be willing to realize we just completely got that wrong. In Acts chapter 9, you can read it for yourself, is the story of the Apostle Paul and his conversion. He started off as Saul. And Saul was a Jewish religious leader who was all about persecuting the Christians, taking them out, having them arrested, having them tortured and killed. That was his life and that was what he was about. And he was about that because he thought he was doing the right thing for God. And it wasn't until he had a dramatic conversion and it says that as if Jesus pulled scales from his eyes, that his eyes were open and he realized, oh, I have gotten this wrong the whole time. And he devoted the rest of his life to turn the story around. As humans, we are prone to get things wrong. And when it comes to difficult conversation, intense discussions, it is fertile ground for getting things wrong. It's crucial to be completely humble and gentle, as we've read in Ephesians, and to be willing to own things when we are wrong. And I think it's a great practice to even just alert people, hey, I want you to know, This is my opinion. This is my thought. I may be wrong on this. I may not be 100% on this, but I just want you to know. Next, always choose the relationship over rightness. Always choose the relationship over rightness. Choose the person over your position. Now, now, before we get into this, I want to say I do think that some of the best relationships are built around the desire to see each other reach for truth and, and beauty in our relationships. And we've been talking about in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 14, that we don't want to be like infants tossed about like the waves. We don't want to be picked up by deceitful winds. But Ephesians four fifteen, the very next verse says, instead... Instead of being tossed around, instead of being carried off, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Instead of being tossed around and thrown around, we want to be firm in our faith and be at a place where we can speak the truth in love. In relationships, I should speak the truth in love because I want what's right and what's best for you. And you're, if you're in destructive patterns, I'm not called to just preserve the relationship. Oh, I don't want to say anything because I don't, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I'm called to push you towards what's best because it's not about me being right, but it's about helping each other towards what's right. So when you're dealing with what is true and what is right, we should be willing to love each other in that way. But when there are arguments that are not based in solid truth, and we're, we're not talking about necessarily what is clearly morally right or wrong, but rather it's conversation based on opinion and position. Many of us have burned 
bridges unnecessarily because we had to be right. You see, love recognizes that relationships are more important than winning an argument. And that's where we want to choose the relationship over rightness. And guys, this is, a, this is a marriage game changer. So many of us spiral into the deepest, darkest, and quite frankly, dumbest holes in our marriage because we are so addicted and bent on being right. And again, I'm not talking about solid truth, morally right and wrong things. I'm talking about picky things, day-to-day things, things where we just start to pick each other apart. And the desire is just to win and to be right, and you're only hurting yourself and hurting the ones that you love. And you can call it pride, stubbornness, foolishness, whatever you want. But stop. Love leads us to so much better. It should be convicting that relationship is more important than winning the fight. Always choose relationship over rightness. And always choose, I'm sorry, always use words to build. Always use words to build. Never attack or tear down. Whether it's to the person or about the person, never attack or tear down. Only Speak what builds up. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Your words can build or they can destroy. They can build or they can destroy. And my hope is that we would choose to use words that would build. That we would use words, only words that benefit, only words that are helpful in building each other up. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice, we need to get rid of that stuff. And yet when we turn on the TV or we go online, we see that the political stage is only giving us that stuff. And we are seeing the way that it is impacting the masses. Unwholesome talk tears down and it creates a ripple effect in the water that just produces waves of bitterness, rage, anger, and brawling. And my brothers and sisters, we are called to be different. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that is helpful for building up, to build others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. It means there's no room for sarcasm. It means that gossip has no place and should have no place in our conversation. 
It means that even our social media disses, however subtle or passive-aggressive they may be, shouldn't be a part of our conversation. And social media, by the way, and our technology has programmed us to be so reactive. It takes us out of the face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball context of human interaction. It lets us hide behind a screen or device and send something that we would not say if we were sitting across from each other. And somehow, we ignore the scriptures when we go there. Scripture should still reign. Truth should still reign. Unwholesome talk, talk that's tearing things and people down, should have no place but only the words that build up. Use your words to build. And I think it's so fair for us to ask each other, to begin to ask each other, what are you building up with those words? What are you building up with those words? As we wrap up, I want to look back at James chapter 1 again, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Here's what I find so fascinating and interesting about the language here in this passage. This passage does not say, do not speak says, be slow to speak. It doesn't say, don't get angry. It says, be slow to your anger. Now, it does say human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. In other words, human anger doesn't produce the fruit in the way that God wants us to be producing fruit as Christians. And I think this idea of building up is so key in our distinction of what is appropriate here. Should we speak up? Yes, we should speak up. We should be speaking the truth in love. And just really quick to take a pause and just to dive here, truth in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self Seeking love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the love that we should be speaking from. Speak the truth in that. And if we're not, by the way, Scripture says we're just a bunch of noise. We're a bunch of useless noise. A bunch of noise doing nothing but annoying people and damaging relationships. We should always start with listening. A whole lot of listening. And then we should slowly begin to speak. And when we do, speak the truth in love. And our anger. Our anger should be a very slow, righteous And holy anger. Pastor Bill Hybels calls it our holy discontent. The thing that we see in the world that is wrong and God has placed in us passions and gifts to do something about it. 
a very slow and deliberate anger that should be about building up rather than tearing down. Our anger should not be leaving bodies in our wake or in the rearview mirror, but rather our anger should be bringing about restoration and healing. So stop with the gossip. Stop with the passive-aggressive status updates. Stop entering into these tense cultural conversations with self-righteous declarations. Stop being a runaway locomotive of opinions. Be a builder. Be a conversation starter. Be a listener. Be a question asker. Be a clarifier. Be completely humble. Be gentle in patience, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This week, I want you to practice a few things. A few really simple things. Things that you can practice today. Listen. Be quick to listen. Ask some good questions. And then just slow down on jumping in. Listen, ask questions, and be slow before you jump in. You find yourself in conversations even later today. Just take a mental note so you can go, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. This, is, this, this feels like a conversation. Let me just cut away from distractions. Let me unplug a little bit. Let me wind down all the things that I have to say. Let me just listen. Let me ask some questions. Maybe a little slower before I jump in. And let's see if our collective wisdom can stir things up for the sake of the gospel. And what I believe will happen is we'll watch our influence grow as we become better Listeners, and I'm telling you, you're going to find situations where suddenly someone's going to come to you and ask you for your opinion. Someone's going to want to know, what do you think about this? Why would they do that? It's because you're being a good listener. You will begin to build a reputation of someone that goes, well, let's ask him what he thinks. What does she think about this? It's not because you're driving through with all of your opinions and just launching opinion grenades all over the place. It's because you're a good listener and question asker. And outside of your influence growing, I think one of the most unexpected things that's going to happen is you are going to start loving people just a little bit more. Even the hard ones. Oh, not that. Yes, even the hard ones. As I've sat across the table with many, many people, people from all different cultures, different races, creeds, religions, thoughts, beliefs, and opinions, the moment that there was a breakthrough of the initial cultural just sort of discomfort of like, ooh, we're different. You look different. You sound different. You speak different. The food you eat is different. This place looks different. Ah, Once you get past that, you begin to see eyeball to eyeball another human. And you begin to hear and understand stories, people that have families, people that have children, people that have cares just like your cares, people that have concerns just like your concerns, people that desire to be in a world that is better than the world that we live in, people that desire to see change, and people that are looking for love and hope and acceptance, and they are just dying for someone who will offer that in an authentic way. That is what can happen when you become a good listener. The us versus them begins to fade in the background. And suddenly you're sitting with this other person 
that you care about. A friend of mine recently told me a story. He's part of leading a men's Bible study in the Atlanta area. And they meet on a weekly basis. And uh, it's an open invitation. Anyone's welcome. About 100 or so guys show up and, and meet each week before they head off to work. And he told me how just a few weeks ago, you know, they were starting their gathering and, and people were coming in and he saw from the parking lot as a Middle Eastern looking man begin to approach and walk in to the study. And he said, I'm ashamed to say it, but I instantly became a little tense. See, that this, this particular group of guys wasn't really known for being diverse and having different people and cultures. And all of a sudden, here comes this man and my friend said he felt just this tension inside him of, what do I do? How, how should I respond? And see, the echo chamber of the media and, and all of the things that he had been hearing and listening to and had been pouring into him for weeks and weeks and months and months about these kinds of people suddenly were confronting him as he's watching this man come towards him. And they went through the study. And the man walked right up to my friend and said, hey, do you have a few minutes that we could talk? My friend said, okay. They sat down at a table and just started a dialogue. This man had recently come from the Middle East. He was a successful businessman. My friend's a successful businessman in Atlanta. And they started to connect around business. He owned multiple strip malls in his country and had a number of stores and they were doing quite well. But he also had this passion and this gifting in writing poetry. And he began to pen poems that were anti-government towards his government. The oppression that they were feeling as a people group. He began to write this poetry and it began to get out and create some waves and very quickly made life difficult for this man. He lost his business. His wife left him for another man. She turned him into the government. He very narrowly escaped the country with his two children. And as he's literally sneaking through tunnels to get out of the country, this group of people he connected with that were helping get him out shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And right then and there, he accepted Jesus as his Savior. And he got out safely with his children. And he was able to move to America where he has been not too long. And he told my friend how since he's been here, he's been cursed at. He's been spit on. He's been forced out of establishments. He's been told, you're not welcome here. He's had a hard time finding a job. And my friend's heart broke as he realized he was part of a system. And he was part of a world that was about tearing people down and dividing people and pulling people apart. But the gospel tells a different story. The gospel tells a story of building up and raising people up and using our words in a way that would be so constructive that we would restore My friend realized this conviction 
of the assumptions that he had jumped to before he ever sat down and said a word to this man. But the minute they sat down and connected eyeball to eyeball and he realized, this man is just like me. Conversation that took tension and turned it on its head. It took prejudice and replaced it with relationship. It took fear and replaced it with hope. And this is what can happen when we choose to listen and we open ourselves up to becoming kingdom builders. This week, my hope and my prayer is that we would leave from here and we would desire to step into more conversations. And we would desire to be better listeners, quick to listen. We would be so slow to speak and we would be slow to anger. We'd be slow to all kinds of assumptions and trappings of things that we are constantly hearing around us. But that we would let the truth of Scripture and the heart of Jesus guide us in our conversation. And in that, our influence would grow. And in that, we would be about building up relationships and building up the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for your word and the truth of your word. And Lord, thank you for simple truth. This idea of being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to angry. God, this is such a simple concept and yet it is so very hard for us to live out. Especially in a day and an age where there is nothing but anger and tension and violence and bitterness and rage. But God, as, as Jesus followers, we know that we have been called to be different and to live differently. So Father, I ask that you would lead us in that way. Father, help us to choose this week. Help us to choose today to be better listeners be better question askers. Lord, to hold out the hope of Jesus and the love of Jesus and speak the truth and love in ways that build up. Lord, we need you in that. We need your Spirit's guidance in that. So we ask for that. Lord, thank you so much for your gracious love. Thank you so much for your forgiveness that no matter how many times we get this wrong you are ready to bring us back in and point us back in the right direction so lord i pray for those of us that need to make some things right with some people who may need to ask for forgiveness who may need to humble themselves god lead us to the courage to just take care of some things Lord, we love you and we're so grateful for your love for us. Lord, may we be people that now carry that love out of these doors and into our community. In Christ's name, amen.